For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Viva Los Angelitos! This is Fernando with Halos in the Infield. Do you love sunflower seeds as much as I do? Well, you can't say you do until you try Chinook Cedary. Chinook Cedary is truly the top dog in the industry. Here's why. They have so many delicious flavors to choose from. Jalapeno Ranch, Hatch Chili, Cinnamon Toast, Dill Pickle, and my personal favorite, Parmesan Pepper. If you need sunflower seeds when you play sports, or if you travel the country as much as I do and you need a quick and convenient snack on the go, Shunduk Cedary is truly for you. For easy ordering access, check out halosintheinfield.com. Click on the banner, and there you go. Just order the seeds. You can even order a variety pack sent straight to your house or any of those delicious flavors that I just mentioned sent straight to your house. Quick and convenient. Still don't believe me that Chinook Cedary is the best seed out there? Less salt, all the flavor, I promise. I've tried them all and I love them all. Signature roast, no sandpaper tongue. Gluten-free, no MSG ever. Chinook Cedary is truly the top dog in the market and we would know as the top dogs in the podcast universe. Have a great day, everybody. And remember, Chinook Cedary is great. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of Halos in the Infield with your host, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show. Fernando Mendez, sorry, you caught, like, as soon as you hit record, I sneezed. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't sneeze at all prior to, and all of a sudden. Yeah, all of a sudden, right? That's usually when it happens. Yeah, that's, how, that's just how life works for you. Exactly. So on today's show, we've been putting out sporadic content. I know, I know. It's going to get more and more as hopefully the season starts. And that's one of the things we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about the CBA and what's the latest news. And then we're also going to talk about our thoughts about the Hall of Fame and what we think is right with it and what we think is wrong with it. Yeah, I mean, there's enough to talk about there with those two things alone. But um yeah, sporadic content's kind of been the thing, but uh, it's just been a weird off-season for everybody, right? But hey, we're putting out content. Content is... Exactly, and I think right now, as long as we're putting stuff out there, and, you know, because if you think about it right now, if the CBA wasn't taking place, they weren't bargaining over it, we'd have free agent news and this and that and stuff, people getting signed, people getting traded. And uh, we just don't have that. We expect a flurry of it as soon as they open the doors again. But for right now, it is what it is. So if you're a betting man, are you thinking that things will be done, the CBA, of course, by the start of the normal spring training? I'm thinking by February 15th. I think they have to get it going before pitchers and catchers get together. So that's my cutoff date. I, I think we're in serious trouble if we go beyond that. Yeah, you know, if we're missing like two or three days of spring training, I don't think it's a big deal. Even if you miss like the pitchers, catchers, and position players, I mean, you know, I don't think anyone's going to blink an eye. 
But as soon as we start getting to one or two weeks into spring training, well, then that's when the warning sirens start to go off. And that's when there's going to be a problem. We've said it so many times. Baseball cannot afford a legitimate word stoppage cutting into the season at all. It's just not going to, you know, it's not going to be good for the game. I mean, we saw the effect of the strike in the 90s and what happened with that. I mean, that's why so many people, including myself, believe that the steroid era saved. Yeah, I I think um, you're absolutely correct with that. And uh, right now, baseball is on a good run when it comes down to getting new fans again. And, you know, you don't want to alienate the fan base again or alienate others from joining up. And uh, baseball has become more of an international game. So we're all worried about that. It's not going to start on time. Uh, it will affect things if they don't, like you said. And, uh, you know, for right now, uh, it, it's a little bit encouraging, though. They've been talking on back-to-back days last week. Um, there's scheduled more talks. I think a lot of things were positive. Uh, the players bent a little bit here and there. So we'll see. We'll see. So um, I can, let's let me pull up the list here of things that um, both sides have kind of agreed to. Sorry, I had okay. the wrong uh, page open. All right, cool. So here's what the MLB has proposed: gradually raising the luxury tax threshold to 220 million by 2026. Pay for play arbitration system and free agency for all at age 29 and a half. Eliminating draft pick compensation for free agents. And from my understanding, that's something that both sides have already agreed to. Um, Expanded 14 team playoffs. Wow. And a draft lottery for the top three picks. So that's what the MLB has proposed. Let's kind of go through that real quick. So luxury tax going up to 220 million. Is that too much? And by 2026, you think that's too gradual? I think what that's going to do is it's going to help both sides. I think you're you're going to help the the first place teams, the teams that always want to pay out to win, like your Dodgers and your Yankees. And it's going to help the players to make those big salaries. But if you're going to have a threshold where it's at, you better have a, a what is it called? A floor too. So if you not, are not going to have a floor, you could have a payroll of over 250 million like this year and a payroll like I think it was the Orioles or no, it was the Indians, formerly known as the Indians. They had the lowest payroll, I think, at 36 or 39. Yeah, get with the times, Grandpa. Yeah, I'm sorry. The Guardians. The Guardians <laughs> of the Galaxy had 39 million or 36 million compared to, I think, the Dodgers' ridiculous what? They were over 300, weren't they, this year? Yeah, there was one of the, it was absolutely insane what they were at. I'm uh, trying to pull them up right now. Yeah, so I mean, you have. Teams with that kind of discrepancy, you could see where the the play, the the players competition or the competition committee will be like, hey, you know what, this isn't fair. You know, teams have unrelenting and and just resources up the yin yang, and then you have teams that are either hampering themselves or they can't spend. And my thing is, if you don't want to win, then get the hell out of the league, sell the team. You know, these teams are worth almost a billion dollars or over a billion dollars. Sell to someone that worth over a billion dollars now. Yeah, so sell to it. We've hit that threshold. Yeah, that's ridiculous. These these teams are printing money, and I think that's another reason why some of these owners, like Pittsburgh, they don't care to win because they are printing money hand over fist. They're making their own empire bigger at the at the uh, result of or at the um, mercy of the fans. That care. 
that care for that team and the, and the city. Yeah. So um, to piggyback on what you were saying earlier, so the Dodgers after, you know, the whole uh, suspensions and everything. So their salary was about 271, 271 million. Mm-hmm. The New York Yankees were number two at 205 million. I'm only going to say the top five. Mets were at 201 million. The Astros, 194 million. And the Phillies were at 189. Um, Angels were number seventh at 180. So, and the threshold, by the way, was 210. That was a luxury tax threshold. So the bottom three teams, number 31 was the now Guardians, $450,000. Jeez. Uh, 42 million for the Orioles, 50 million. For the Indians. That, that can't be right. Sorry. Okay, that's what happened. I don't know why it has the Guardians down there and then the Indians. I heard 450000 I'm like, that sounds wrong. <laughs> okay, so the Orioles were in last place at $42 million. The Indians were at $50 million. And then Pittsburgh was uh, rounds up the bottom three there at $54 million. See that? that Okay, so I was off a few million, okay? But I will say this, though. You know, we, for most – like NFL, I'll, I'll compare it to the NFL – NFL is something I think the payroll is around 84. They're trying to get it over to 100 million, uh, you know, the, the the salary cap or whatever. So right there, if you had a team like if those teams were in baseball, at least for 54 million for the Pirates, some teams don't spend all their luxury money and they're still talented and they can compete. Pittsburgh, you know, again, they get a nice win here or there out of 10. You know, you're not going to be winning more than you're losing with a, with unfortunately like that. You got to pay to play. You got to pay to win. You got to give something to get something. And uh, there's a lot of guys out there that would want a big paycheck and afford a big or could get a big paycheck, but they're getting squeezed out because only certain teams are paying. So that's another gripe of the players is that they want an even playing field, literally. You have the Tampa Bay Rays who are at uh, 70 million and you know, they're one of the lowest spenders in all the baseball and Oakland is above them at 90 million. So they spend a little bit more, but I mean, we're talking two teams right there that continuously contend and they're in the bottom 10. They're, you know, money, they're bottom dwellers when it comes to spending money yet. They contend all the time. You know, I hate the Oakland A's, but, I mean, I'll tip my cap to Satan himself and say, man, they get it done over there. They consistently get it done. Uh, I have really no gripe against the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. they just kind of been that team that's always been there. Um, yet, you know, they consistently are uh, World Series contenders. Well, let me ask you this. If you had a floor compared to what you just said of being 220, let's just say they approve that it's a 220 maximum, and then what to you would be a fair floor? I, I think you have to spend a certain amount. Like, I, I don't think it's cool if it's like, okay, well, the floor this year is 50 million. Okay. I mean, every team's over 50 million with the exception of the Orioles last year. They're at 42. So, I mean, that's, you know, the like 8 million. I mean, we're talking what, two bullpen arms that are decent. Mm-hmm. And that, so, I would say if they have to put a hard number on it, I would say like maybe 60 to 65 million, but it also depends how high the ceilings. Okay. Well, let's just say this. What about you? What do you, well, if the ceilings at 220 for me, I'd say at least go almost half. So make it between 90 to a hundred million. 
Like you have to spend that on your. A hundred million is a lot of money that you're asking some of these teams to take on. Don't get me wrong; I understand they haven't. That's not my argument at all. But I mean, the Orioles forty-two million to a hundred million. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, that that means to me, get your PR people to get butts in the seats. Number one. Number two, get some players that'll actually want you'll you'll have people tuning in and watching your players. And number three, this could help the league in general get rid of these useless owners that don't want to pay and get people in there that want to win and give people the incentive because I think that's what hurt for me as a baseball fan in the late 80s. Well, no, now I won't say 80s, 90s for the most part, only seeing the Yankees, Braves, Indians, and a few other teams in a surprise team like the Marlins come through, whereas we were used to watching, or at least I was, the Detroit Tigers, the Chicago White Sox, the the Angels, the Rangers, all these teams doing absolutely nothing and ha- not being able to say, hey, we're competing. The league has done much better recently with more uh, teams being able to win. And there's no to me, I think that's why football, the NFL, is so healthy. Who would have thought that the Cincinnati Bengals today would be in the Super Bowl? I didn't. They won six freaking games. Stop you right there, though. How many times with football do we have the same old shit, the same old teams? It's been like that forever. It was always Tom Brady. For the last couple of years, it's been Patrick Mahomes. For a while there, it was your Seahawks. It's the same team. This is the first time where we have some parody. That's why the narrative has always been the NFL scripted, right? You can say that for years and not get left out. But I will say this, though. it the, With parody in the NFL, I'm not talking about like all these Super Bowl teams. What I'm talking about is like in baseball, now you're saying, okay, 14 teams can make it to the postseason. I think that's too many. I think the way that we have it now is enough. I think it gives t- uh, uh, enough uh, motivation for teams to make the postseason. I think watered down is the uh, NBA and NHL. They let too many teams in. I don't want baseball to copy that, but they're unfortunately going for more money, trying to do the same damn thing. Where I'll disagree with you in football is I think parity when it comes to teams making just the postseason. You know, you won't see a team go on a 15- to 20-year drought without making the postseason. They're usually given incentives with a salary cap, draft picks, and things like that to get good eventually. You might have some stragglers that take forever to get back, maybe five to seven years, but they eventually get there. You don't have teams like the Mariners who haven't been to the postseason in two decades. That's that's my only point. Yeah. But the NFL also has a lot of like has this tendency where like one or two divisions every year are just god awful. True. Like more so than like baseball. Like baseball, what last year had like the AL Central that was bad. But typically in every baseball division, there's like two or three teams that are like always in the thick of it. But like the NFL, like always have like one division that's just really bad or like one team just really runs away with it. Like for instance, like the chiefs for the longest time, were just running away with the division for like a couple of years. Mm-hmm. This is the first year where they had some competition, but I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's for a football podcast. Yeah. Yeah. No, I get what you're saying. I mean, it kind of happened with the, the South and the NFL this year. It was just Tampa and nobody else. Um, so you'll, you'll have that, but I just, I just see more of a chance of, of in football, maybe it's because it's less games too, but you're able to have a chance to come up. You're, you get a team like the Bengals that come out of nowhere, the Panthers that came out of nowhere a few years ago. You just have these teams that will make the postseason and get on a run. Like, again, nobody thought the Niners would get there, but they did. And as far as baseball, 
Um, you know, you've had teams that make runs. Uh, that's why parody has been a little bit better up until Pittsburgh decided to throw in the towel again. They had a run there with McCutcheon. You know, they weren't the dregs anymore. The Phillies were the dregs for a while, then they got good around what early two thousands. Won a World Series, kind of been trying to float flirt with that two, right? They got one from what I remember. They they went twice and only won one because they beat the Rays. I think they beat the Rays, and they lost to somebody else in the World Series. Might have been the Yankee Yankees or somebody. I don't know. Um, but you even had the Rockies at one point go on a magical run and get to the World Series, which was nice. But um, I don't see that recently. You know, I think we've gone backwards in a way. Yeah, perhaps. I and mean, what you had, uh, you know, th- there was a, a decent amount of parity where, you know, these little teams were sneaking in. I mean, you had the Royals win there, uh, what, in 15 and in 14, yeah. you know, they made it really far. Uh, you also had the Rangers there for a while, you know, yeah. around that same era. So, you know, it, it certainly happens, but then you have, you know, the Dodgers winning the world series and that's a big market team. Granted they had their drought, but still, and you know, as far as I'm concerned, they still have their drought. Me too. But um, you know, the baseball gods, unfortunately would probably disagree. They would give the devil their due, but regardless. Yeah. I mean, I guess you don't have as many small market teams winning, you know, making it there. Yeah. You still have the Rays making it there consistently, you know, I mean, this year, I guess the Braves kind of took the world by surprise. Mm. We all wanted the Braves to win, especially over the Dodgers, uh, come the championship game. But, I mean, realistically, we probably all thought the Dodgers were going to make it, right? Yeah. So, I, I, the fact that the Braves got through without Acuna, who's obvious, obviously one of the best players in baseball, I think that's what really caught people by surprise with the Braves. And that was nice to see because you could even look back and you say, okay, they were the underdogs. They were a team that shouldn't have been there. The thing is, Atlanta is a storied franchise. I think in all leagues, you need teams with storied franchises to be good at some point. You don't want the Chicago Bulls in basketball sucking for a long time. You don't want the Knicks sucking for a long time. Unfortunately, that's hurting the NBA when they have you know little market teams or in hockey. Tampa Bay Lightning, that's a fine, fine story, but they shouldn't be your dominant team. You need the Blackhawks. You need one of your original Canada teams to be good. Um, in football, same thing. But when it comes to baseball, I think that's what's hurting baseball is the Tampa Bay-Oakland situation. You mentioned both those teams. They both have a problem with attendance. Both have a problem where their stadiums are at. If they had better stadiums, we know those fan bases would come out in droves. But we don't get to see that. And then that also hampers them and gives them excuses not to pay to where you look at a Tampa team that's made a playoff run before or an Oakland team that's made a playoff run before, and you can only think of, man, what if they had full support, a nice stadium, and money to spend at the deadline to where you could get the pieces, not just your your little pieces here and there like they did this year, Starlin Marte and a few others like Oakland got, not bright pieces, but just eh, to try to help the, the team. If they actually got real pieces, Oakland could make a World Series run. So could Tampa. But they're hindered, whether it's their ownership or the league or their fans. Those need to be addressed. And I think that should have been something addressed years ago. But I hope they're talking about it during the CBA. Well, and it's crazy that we're talking about two teams who are consistently dominating baseball. And I don't mean dominating in terms of getting championships. But these are two teams that consistently make the playoffs, right? Oakland and Tampa. Mm Mm-hmm. 
The thing is, they're both on the absolute bottom. So the only team that has worse attendance than both of them is the Miami Marlins. They're kind of their own disaster as it yep. is. Um, and But the thing is, the Marlins aren't going anywhere. They're going to stay in Miami. Oakland and Tampa Bay are the two most likely teams to relocate, right? You hear Nashville a lot. You hear Portland. You hear Las Vegas. Chances are at least one of those teams will probably be relocating in the next three years, right? And if I had to guess, it's probably going to be Oakland before it's Tampa. I, I have more faith that they will get a stadium in Tampa than they would in Oakland. Why? Because, you know, Oakland's been trying forever, but I'll, I'll say it. Oakland's a minor league city. They're not a major league city. Yep. There's a lot of minor league cities out there. And they just lost the Golden State Warriors, who a lot of people don't believe, or, or if you don't follow basketball that much, the Warriors did leave Oakland. They're in Frisco. And the Raiders are in Vegas. So for Oakland to lose Oakland, I'm, I'm with you on that. The, uh, I think it's, it's a formality uh, or foregone conclusion. And just the other day, we were reminded on our page by a few of our friends and fans that Montreal got struck out this year for splitting time with the uh, Tampa Bay Rays. So the Rays won't be going up there to experiment with Montreal because Montreal is another city that's dying for baseball again. And I think it's just embarrassing as a fan base because you can look, look, bro, how many years have you been watching baseball when the Mets are in the, in the playoffs, the Braves, the Yankees, the Giants, the Dodgers, even our Angels with good fan bases or throwing the Cubs and White Sox? It's packed. You can't get a seat. The The nation's watching because those are huge cities involved in the postseason. When those teams aren't there, it's a problem. And when if you have a team that's in the postseason, say, say your ALCS like Oakland, Tampa, it's a bad look when you could trust all those other cities and all those franchise story franchise. Because I, I even think when Baltimore got in the postseason, they had a sold-out stadium. But when you're looking at Oakland and Tampa with tarps on their upper decks – and they're giving away tickets to get into postseason play, that's pretty sad. Yeah, well, I mean, the difference there is that Oakland has a huge stadium, right? I mean, they have Mount Davis out there. You know, the, every seat there is, sucks. But <laughs> in Tampa, it's a small stadium. It's not a big. Yeah, you, you can't even do a monster truck rally in a Tampa stadium. It's that small. Uh, or even a motorcycle, it, it's it's a pretty small venue. But Oakland, I'll, I'll say this about Oakland. Um, if you can pack that stadium out with Raider fans, you can do the same thing with Oakland A's fans, but they can't. And it's, it is a dump, and there is a lot of bad seats in there. I get it. But it's postseason baseball, man. I mean, you so, before, unfor, I mean, you know, if they don't pass this 14-team thing, it's still the hardest sport to get into the postseason. And – it's the hardest one to win a division. So it means something to be in the postseason because some of these players, like we've heard interviews where even on, on the angels, you know, like, like we wanted to make the most of our postseason run because you never know if you're ever going to get back again. Yeah, ab- uh, absolutely. Um, one thing I, w- I wanted to say since uh, I-, I looked up the attendance here or sorry, the uh, capacity Tropicana field fits 42,000. That- Seems wrong to me, but you know, whatever <laughs> it does to me too. And uh, Oakland's uh, fits sixty three thousand, which also seems really low to me. But that's what Google. Well, I'll say this: as far as like you know, you could. I don't take in when we start talking fan attendance up until the last couple of years. The Angels always made three million. Dodgers were teetering four million because of their big 
stadium and and they print money there. Giants play. They only had two point eight this year for the record. The Dodgers. Oh, the Dodgers. Yeah, they didn't even hit. Oh, but they were strict on COVID though, like in the beginning of the year. Yeah, I think they were for just about everybody because the Angels were like not even in the top fifteen this year. They were at one point five million this year, which is really low. But you know, for half the year, it was half attendance. Yeah, and then by the time we got full capacity, I think we were only averaging about. That's the, that's the thing about the Angel fans; they didn't come around this year. I mean, there was a lot of because of all the yeah. stuff that happened, people were discouraged, and another you know fleeting season. Uh, we went to plenty of games down the stretch, me and Fernando and, and the guys, and it was like maybe what twenty five, thirty thousand on on average, maybe. Yeah, they were averaging eighteen thousand six hundred and sixty seven this year. But don't get me wrong; that's way better than Oakland's eight thousand seven. Yeah, that's pretty bad. We're we're hoping. Like I told you guys, I went in 2017 uh, for the first and second game of the season in Oakland. Second game, there was only 2,000 people there. No joke, it was empty. Mm-hmm. It was. I I asked the employee, how many people are here? Because the attendance they said was like 12,000. I'm like, there is no way on God's green earth. And the person's like, yeah, there's only about 2,000 people here. Granted, the Warriors were playing the Cavaliers that night in the finals literally across the street. So maybe that had something to do with it, but I mean, I don't, I don't think so. I think people there just don't give a shit. About it. I agree. I don't- I, no, I agree. I think, I think uh, you still, you still got to show up, man. Um, I've been to a couple of sporting events when there's game- like, huh? I said game two. This is the second game of the year for that. I know. I know. Um, that is that is something to watch because again, if you're if you're a true baseball fan and you see if you're like I, I used to take days off work when when opening day would start during the week. And some of those games back east or in the central time, they'll start about maybe ten, eleven in the morning. Oh, here in Pacific Coast time. So you go to watch a game and um, you know, you see the all the, the you know festivities and the fans are out there. It doesn't matter if it was Kansas City when they were terrible, you know. Whoever I was like, oh man! Even Joe Robbie at the time, Miami Dolphins, well, Miami Dolphins, Miami Marlins were there. That place is packed, and you're like, oh man, I can't wait. You know, it's baseball. You know, fresh new season. And then, like you said, you go to game two or <laughs> game three the next day, and you're like, wow, where did everybody go? <laughs> you know? Yeah, right. How much that season just started? Yeah, yeah. I mean, only, and that's the thing that you. I think that the problem that baseball has been trying to fix over the years, it's been getting a little better. But um, with COVID kind of knocked it back a few notches, but it's getting people to stay in, in, in tuned and not just be like, okay, I could watch it from my phone. I could watch it from home, have that in stadium experience still and keep it going all year. Don't just have a half full stadium or even a quarter. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think baseball has like one of the most fun and game experiences because every stadium you go to is so different. You know what I mean? Like, you don't see, like, basketball fans like, I want to go to all the arenas in the game. Or, you know, <laughs> same thing with, like, hockey or, uh, or football. You know, there might be a couple, like, you know, football fans might want to go to, like, Soldier Field or Lambeau because of the history or, you know, SoFi because it's the newest one or, you know, mm-hmm. the Raiders or whatever that is. But, um, yeah, with baseball, it's like every field is dramatically different. You know what I mean? No field's the same. So I, 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 it's so much different in that. I agree. I mean, because it's not like football changes the 100 yards. It's the same at every stadium no matter what. So good point. 
And, yeah. uh, you know, there's, there's different arenas, obviously, you know, some different food and things like that. But I mean, is that really enough to drag you out there unless, you know, your team's. Yeah. Yeah. I, I totally agree. I think that's why hockey does a good job when they do their winter classic, you know, they take it to a baseball stadium and people get to see a, a, a freaking hockey game at either a baseball stadium or a football stadium outdoors. It's, it's a unique thing. So I think when baseball steps out of the, you know, and does the whole um, little league game, They've done games in Puerto Rico. It gets huge attendance. You know, it's a thing to see. Or they've gone over Mexico. in Mexico. Yeah, Mexico. They've gone to, uh, uh, what is it, Japan? London? Japan, Korea as yeah, well. Japan. They did, and then they did London, uh, what, two, three years ago? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, the game of baseball will go wherever it's got to go. And I think it will survive where it's got to survive. And people will watch it. I think it's keeping the United States people involved. I think internationally it's a huge sport. You could take a a Rockies um, Rangers series to Mexico and in one of those hundred thousand seat uh, soccer stadiums, I guarantee you'll be sold out. It's major league. You know, it's, it's baseball. Those kids grow up over there wanting to be the stars that are in our league. So our league needs to take advantage of that. And they need to work on the homegrown fans here too, and give incentives instead of, cause I've always felt this way. You can charge the same amount for a ticket or and 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 rape the, the the consumer on food or what you could do is you could discount the ticket extreme and then have them come in and pay the same amount for the food, same amount for parking and they will do it. Or you can get to the or you can flip-flop sometimes and say okay, prices are back to normal, but hey, if you want a two for one hot dog, Tuesday's the only night you could do that. And you'll get people to come. Yeah, that's what minor league teams do. Yeah, and it works. Yeah, Maybe. they do the Thursday Thursdays. They do like the fifty cent Fridays for like tickets things. Yeah, or I seen one. I think it was in uh, Rancho Cucamonga, Rancho Cucamonga, where they did the uh, uh, Thirsty Thursdays or uh, Mar- uh, Margarita Mondays, uh, stuff like that. So I mean, there's there's things you could do to get butts in the seats, and you know, take advantage of that baseball. I, I really feel that. It's a little discouraging, even if you know there's people watching all over the world and you're probably getting good ratings on television or on smart devices. It's a little discouraging still when you look around the stands and you're like, damn, this place is half full, you know? Yeah. I mean, I think like, so last year, like, I think it was the last month, the Angels were super out of contention at this point. Mm-hmm. They had $4 tickets. Why aren't you giving away $4 tickets on a Monday in May? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, a, a Tuesday in August. I understand, like, oh, sure, that's the summer. You know, people are, the kids aren't in school, things like that. But let's be real. It doesn't matter if there's no school. There's not a lot of families who are scrounging on a Tuesday in August to go to a game. So maybe you should have the $4 tickets year-round. I mean, if they – so – before being an animal trainer at SeaWorld, I was doing this uh, training because my way in the SeaWorld as an animal trainer was through rides. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I first got started working at SeaWorld, that was the only thing they were hiring for. So I got a job there in rides, did my minimum 90 days. And in my 90 days, they wanted me to be a lead at the ride I was at. So I did this like leadership training just in case it didn't work out with the animal training, obviously did. But I didn't know that at the time. So when I was doing those leadership classes, they're talking about like, hey, anytime someone's angry, anyone's, anytime someone's upset, give them a free ticket to come back. Why? Because they're going to spend more money the next time they're there. So it's the same thing here. Like, 
get let fans in there for like the absolute minimum four dollars to send the nosebleeds great people are going to sink their way down anyway mm-hmm. but since they only paid four dollars or for like a family of four i mean we're talking less than 20 bucks here they're probably gonna buy merchandise this time why because they got in there cheap I mean, if they spend $20 each to get in there, I mean, all of a sudden we're having a conversation where you're creeping near $100 after taxes and fees to get in there. Chances are those families aren't going to be spending the big bucks that day because they spent $100 to go to the game. If they're only spending $20 to go to a game that nobody's going to be at sitting in the nosebleeds anyway, they're going to spend money on merchandise. And let's be honest, these companies, these teams, anything that sells tickets, don't make their money off of ticket sales. They make it off of merchandise. They make it off of food. It's it's just something so obvious to me. Hell, give out free tickets for crying out loud. You know, you hear freaking Roger like, hey, guys, we're having a, a Halo Hawk night. Well. <laughs> so they give out thousands of dollars so you can go get creeped out by Roger Locke. Yeah, and that's... <laughs> so, I mean... They- yeah, I mean the thing with with uh, with Roger and, and you know he gives those nosebleed tickets away, okay, but you have to play his stupid games, you have to listen to this stupid show. Yeah, uh, my my thing is this though: what me and you talked about, you know, maybe doing a deal where we give away backpacks or something for kids, and I think we, you know we could use that same old cliche: kids are the future, and that's how you start a fan base. You get these kids at a young age. What if what if it wasn't the backpack thing? What if it was just like, hey, you know what? We're expecting, you know, low attendance for the Orioles and the Tigers and the and the uh, White Sox when they come that next homestand. Why don't we do a promotion? And because you would think a lot of kids in our neighborhoods, locally to the stadium or even in the LA area, have ever been to a baseball game. A lot of them haven't. A lot of them can't afford it. And what if you just say, you know what? We're gonna give family four packs. To, to random families at these kids at the at these schools or just give them to classrooms in general and watch those kids go together to a game that they go to school with that their parents are going to meet meet each other or seen each other at at, uh, at these you know school functions or family or, you know um, parent teacher conferences but what if they are able to go and they and they will spend the money like hey we couldn't afford the tickets but you know we can get junior a hot dog and some chips or why don't you say you know here we'll give you a voucher like because the dodgers were doing that all you can eat 20 dollar thing back in the day when they were struggling to fill up the pavilion and change the vibe of the pavilion of being that gangster raider mentality they did a lot of that and brought families in well I don't see why the angels can't do something like that too, to bring the families into the pavilion or bring them into the trout area or even the upper deck. You can fill that sucker out. If Honestly, really I think they should, that, that's a, a super smart idea. So, you know, you know, that one section, so field level right next to the right field foul pole, the section right where like Scott Spezio hit that home run. Correct. Six. Correct. Yeah. So that section and the section above is obstructed because of the right field seating. Mm-hmm. Right. Why don't you make that like a family section, like a family section or like, a, or maybe an all you can eat section because nobody likes sitting there because those seats suck because if anything's hit the center field, you can't see it. <laughs> so why don't you entice people by eating their heart out with yesterday's popcorn, yesterday's pretzels? <laughs> well, that's hey, a- man. If I, I'm going to be pissed if I spent $20 on my pretzels harder than a diamond in an ice storm. But if it's all you can eat and hell if it's yesterday's pretzels 
Ball out. I don't eat all the pretzels I want. I don't care if it's yesterday's pretzels. I mean, I paid $25. I'm going to eat all the hot dogs I can eat, the pretzels, the popcorn. Well, that's what Dodger Stadium fans were saying when they when when they first introduced that because they said the chips tasted like cardboard. But you know what? They kept well, going back for those cardboard of- chips. <laughs> They're like, "Give me some nacho cheese to eat <laughs> yeah, out of that cardboard." It reminds me of. <laughs> you know, you, you give you give him any kind of you know idea. Hopefully, Artie's listening or someone that likes Artie gets this back to him. Dude, if Artie's listening. He- yeah, because I mean, well, uh, there we can't have a are you can eat section because uh, then we're gonna lose out on money. And uh, our term right now does not like losing out on money because I can't buy. Sh- <laughs> Artie Moreno checking in right there, all the way from Anaheim Hills or no, from Arizona. There you go. Uh, there you go yeah, he has to have a house somewhere in Orange County, right? He has to, I believe so. He has to have at least a house in Orange County. One. Because, I mean, yeah, I know for sure he lives full-time in Arizona. But, I mean, did you just get Airbnbs or hotels every time he comes out here? I mean, he comes out 10 to 20 times a year, maybe. I'm just wondering if he has, like, a private helicopter or is a private convoy. I mean, what does he do to get here? I know he does an Uber. I don't know. He's got to have something. He's got to have something. People, rich people don't drive themselves. Not at all. And they typically don't fly with others. I would have seen him by now. I fly so much. <laughs> Dude, a guy rich as he is doesn't even wipe himself, let alone drive. <laughs> Thank you. I don't know. I, I feel like he's not a white person at all. I think he's more <laughs> of like a just hop in, the, hop in the shower and just go, hop in the shower and hope it's over. Wow. Hey, I hope. <laughs> just pull the draws up and hope it catches everything, right? <laughs> See, oh, I'm getting man. a visual of Artie. And can't. No, no. <laughs> and stop recording. Stop recording. <laughs> People are like, oh my God. I'm going to go listen to another Angels podcast. <laughs> Were we supposed to talk about Hall of Fame? Yeah, we went from talking to uh now talking about this <laughs> so yes. maybe we should slowly trend backwards all right so we discussed now what the mlb uh formally proposed now let's talk about what the players association has proposed so they want the luxury tax raised from 210 to 245 million but they want that immediately mlb wants to gradually go to 220 by 2026 Player said no, 245 immediately. Free agency at five years of service time and age 29 and a half or six years of service time, whichever comes first. Service time bonuses for all-star game selections, awards, etc. Expanded 12-team playoffs and a draft lottery with a market size. Okay, I kind of like that. Um I don't like the 245. I don't think it needs to go that high. I really don't. I think 220 that is drastic. Yes. I think 210, 220 should be the overall cap. Um, I do like. Well, I feel it needs to be like a harsher penalty on that, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Like if you go over. I agree. I agree. Football does it right. I don't think baseball is going to get it right because football will be like, okay, you want to spend 30 million over? 30 million costs you next year. 
So that goes against their cap. So hopefully there's something like that. But my question to you is, what's a good number for you, baseball-wise, getting into the postseason every year? Say again? I said, like, teams? Correct. Well, what do we have right now? Five on each side? Yes. Yeah, because there's three divisions, and then you have two wild cards on each side, right? No, it's it's, uh, four of them. It's six teams. Six teams. Okay. Um, I don't know, man. I'm pretty. I don't know. I mean, yeah, I, I, I don't want it to be too high because it needs to be something that you know is a is a challenge, right? Or it's mm-hmm. at that point, it's not a postseason. It's just everybody gets in. Yeah, I agree. That's why. That's why I don't think there's any – look, NBA went a, a, a step further, and they added a, a losing tournament from 6 to 10. You have 10 teams in each conference get in. There's only like 31 teams. For the record, it, it, is 10 on, it is 10 total. Oh, it's 10 total. Okay. So I was yes. awesome. So they're, at, they're talking about adding one, uh, you know, a couple more teams, which is not bad. It's not bad. I don't like the 14th per se. But if you add a couple more, okay. They're, then that means what they're probably going to do is probably have – the top two teams, or at least, um, yeah, the top two teams sit it out, and then and then the other four are like the wild cards or whatever. Yeah, because then it incentivizes you because you want to take that first week by, you know, rest up, get healthy, whatever. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I mean, it, we're obviously going to expand the postseason in some capacity. We mm-hmm. know that. If the players want it up and the owners want it up, well, then it's going to happen. I, I think the players will win that. Most likely, I think the owners like <laughs> will win the money one. I think two forty five is ridiculous. Somebody just wants another yacht or two. Well, that's the but the players want two forty five. That's what I'm saying. That's that's what's crazy. I thought, you know, I'm not surprised that both the sides want to up it. I, uh, you know, we all saw that coming. Mm-hmm. But I mean, two forty five is crazy. I mean, obviously, the players want the the ceiling to be as high as possible, right? The luxury tax threshold, because that means more of them are going to be getting giant paydays. Mm -hmm. So we know it'll go up, you know, 10 million, I think would benefit the angels. But I mean, if we're talking 40, 50 million, God, how many Carlos Correa's are we going to get? Audi's like, fuck it. We're going to get Carlos Correa and Trevor story. (laughs) Jeez. Uh, Yeah. You're going to get a lot of Julio Tehran's making 30 million though, instead of 10. Yeah. That's the problem. Well, you know, if we're going up to $245 million, yeah, we're going to have a lot of people just spending money to spend money. Yeah. So, yeah, I I, I don't think it's going to go up to 245 but I, considering the player, the, uh, sorry, the owners want 220 there's probably going to be a middle ground there of 225 to 230 is my guess. And see, that's what you're going to get with that high ceiling, and you're going to get that with the floor. You're going to get some teams that will be like, F it, let's just pay this guy over here, doofus on the bench, give him a fat payday. Hey, it's your lucky day, $39 million contract, two years. So, I think the more money would go to bullpen arms, I think, because bullpen players are not super high paid. I mean, look at Steve Ciszek last year. He got $1 million for how much he paid. Yeah, and he pitches his ass off. To, and, and I hate to say that because we ranked on him so much in the first half of the season, but he put together a fine second half as much as as many of the angels bullpen pieces did 
Uh, one other thing I want. Yeah, absolutely. If we were to re-sign him on a one-year deal for about the same thing, I, I, I think I would be okay with it, especially because I don't think he'd be used in the same high leverage roles. As- and I think we we should re-sign him right now because he's one of the reasons why Thor is here. You know, he's a workout partner. We can't re-sign him right now. There's a- I know, but when we can, we should. <laughs> oh. Um, by the way, too, um, as far as your your um, your years of service, too, that you brought up, uh, I agree with the five years, you know, that one. I think that was good, five and a half. I just think it kind of sucks when most players are hitting, like they're in their prime, but they can't get a contract because they're still stuck with a team that they're held down to. It kind of works and then it kind of doesn't because you kind of want a guy to stay with his franchise, especially if he's good. But what if he's on the Rockies? He's just spinning his wheels. And you and you would love for him to get out, but he's stuck to his twenty nine thirty six year service. Yeah, I, I, I there, I'm totally cool with a five year situation and the players a free agent. Sure, you get less time, but I mean, you know, there's so much player manipulation and service time manipulation that I would be totally okay with the five year thing, and then they bounce or at least have the ability to. Just because, A, I feel like you wouldn't have as many horrible contracts because, mm-hmm. you know, instead of getting Albert Pools when he was 45, we would have got him when he was, you know, like 42. <laughs> you know, it might not have been as bad. You might have actually gotten some glory years out of him. You know, sure, bad signings will always happen. That's just the nature of sports. That's the nature of life, really. You know, every job has those people who just shouldn't be there, mm-hmm. and it's no different with sports. But at the end of the day, you know, you're not going to have as many guys getting overpaid and not performing to their contract for all whatever it is, you know, three, 10, 15 years, whatever the contract is, because, you know, you got them while they were still completely in their prime. You're getting guys who are going to be, you know, 25 to 26 now instead of 30 plus. That's true. That is true. And I think that's that's the thing too. I think baseball can't overprice itself from the normal man. Um, I mean, I, football can't you know can do that from time to time too. But you do know of minimum salaries for certain players that maybe can rival a, a blue collar man that has a business. But they're they don't you don't want to get these players too rich to where you're thinking they're gods and and you're like oh my god these guys make an because that turns fans off. And I think that's always been my problem with knowing these contracts and knowing the ins and outs of how much these players make. That's only just going to make people jealous, upset. And, you know, because look at how much buzz it caused when A-Rod was young, you know, that he got that huge contract. Now, if if a player were to get $250 million, we're like, oh, okay, he came up. That's a, that's a decent contract. I'd, I'd, I'd pay that. It's when we're, we're now at the, uh, at the outrage area of about $350, $400 million, thanks to our boy and – few others that are trying to make that kind of money. No problem. Keep giving the big contracts. <laughs> Thanks, Artie. Thanks for chiming in. Right. Uh, so, but so it does seem like they players will be hitting free agency earlier now. How early? Well, obviously that's what they're still going to debate, but we do know that there will be less service time served before free agency. That's obviously going to happen. Yeah. Now, what the players have that's interesting, service time bonuses for all-star game appearances and awards. That, I think, is going to be a very hard sell for the owners. Hey, Jared Walsh made the all-star game last year, so 
he gets to leave one year. Ooh, that, that was probably really loud. One year earlier. Or Shohei Otani won the MVP. Sorry, you don't get that last year of arbitration. Yeah, I don't think the uh, owners are going to think that's fat at all. They're going to be like, I don't know. It's, that is not going to You know, the reason why the owners want players like Jared Walsh or, you know, uh, Shohei Otani is, A, they're young and they're controllable, right? Obviously, Shohei Otani got bought out of two out of his three arbitration years. But Jared Walsh is still under contract renewals. So he only has to make league minimum for, I think, one more year, maybe two more years before he hits arbitration. So if now we're talking about a situation where, oh, he's you get one less year of him because he made the all-star game or, you know, Griffin Canning won a gold glove in 2020, I, that's going to be a really hard sell for the owners. Yeah, it's going to be – that's more of player demands and wants, not a need. So I, I know for a fact the owners, I, I agree with you, they're going to poo-poo that one right away. Absolutely. You know, now maybe like an MVP you can make the argument. I can maybe understand that because there's only two MVPs a year. In, in your league, there's only one. Mm-hmm. So I can maybe see like, okay, well, you won the MVP, so that's like the ultimate reward, right? You, I'm sure, actually, you know what? Most people won't have that in their contract. You know, Mike Trout has a uh, money bonus because, you know, he signed a big contract. But um, yeah, I don't know. Would you be okay with it if it was an MVP? So like, okay, you can only, if you win the MVP, you get one year off. No, I wouldn't. Because that'd be, especially if he's my MVP, if he's on my team, I'd be like, nah, dude, like, you're killing it, man. You're going to get yourself a fat contract somewhere else. I don't want that. I want you to stay here. So, yeah, yeah, I think that I, would I agree with the five years, but yeah, I, I don't think I agree with the all star game selection award. I agree. I agree. All right. And the, and the last thing, because we kind of already talked about the playoffs, uh, the draft lottery. Seems like both sides want a draft lottery. I'm for it. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, promote some parity, right? I mean, people won't be as inclined to tank. I mean, our team's tanking. Yeah, probably. Happens in all sports, right? They're not officially tanking, but coincidentally, when the trade deadline came, they had two or three good players. Oh, and they got. The NBA has been criticized for being fixed, you know, with the lottery balls, but more times than not, it kind of helps the league because you'll get a team that maybe you thought was going to finish what top five or or fifth overall in, in the lottery process but they snagged the number one. I've seen it as far as a number 11 team out of the 14 that we're doing on the draft lottery or 15, and they got number one. And that's kind of exciting because maybe that'd be a mid-level Angels team one day where they won 76 games. All of a sudden, they're in the draft lottery, and somehow the ping-pong ball falls the right way, and, hey, you get the first pick, and maybe they actually do something with it. Yeah, right. Drop the pitcher. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, it's funny because everybody was criticizing Billy Epler for drafting like catchers. I mean, we got Taylor Ward, we got Matt Dice, and we did, you know, Taylor Ward is not a catcher. Matt Dice just started catching. Uh, yeah. So yeah, he still just, can't hit. It's funny. But yeah. Well, yeah, I heard he did better in AAA, right? Mm. But uh, AAA last year as a catcher, I, I guess somehow that helped us hitting, but topic for a different day. But, um, yeah, I'm all for a draft lottery. Uh, what's going to be interesting is since the owners only want it for three players, 
or for the bottom three teams. And the Players Association is saying uh, with a market size component, that's going to be interesting to see which one of those plays out. Because I can definitely see owners like the Pirates owners or, you know, the Marlins being like, hey, market size component, that's going to help us out. But then you're going to have teams like the Yankees are going to be like, well, what if we fall down there? Mm-hmm. There could be. And it'll be interesting to see how baseball does it. And they're one of the leagues that's more transparent, so they're going to give us all the details, hopefully, if any changes. Yeah. Well, uh, that's kind of where we are right now for the collective bargaining agreement. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I mean, we, we kind of beat that dead horse, right? I mean, we both agree <laughs> that something needs to get done quickly. Uh, we're both hoping something gets done by the time pitches and catches report. We reported what both sides want. So now the ball's in their court. Hopefully yeah. we get some meetings here pretty soon. Exactly. All right. So now the next topic, we are going to talk about the 2022 Hall of Fame vote. All right. So um, the people who were eligible this year that did not get enough of a percentage to be eliminated. So uh, for those of you guys who don't know how the Hall of Fame works, so the Baseball Writers Association of America uh, gets the opportunity to vote. I believe there is 200 total people who vote, if I got that correct. Yep. And um, a player needs to get voted with 75% of the vote or higher to be eligible to go into the Hall of Fame. A player has to be retired for seven years before their Hall of Fame clock ticks enough where they can be on the ballot. If you get below 5% voting, you are officially off the Hall of Fame ballot. As long as you get uh, 5% of the vote, you are eligible to stay on there. And I think it's a total of 10 years after you retire. So after those 10 years, you are off the Hall of Fame ballot, but you can still be voted in by the Veterans Committee, I believe. Yes, you do have a second. Let me, let me just ask you this question. I'm going to go over the 2022 um all-star ballot the final results of the top uh 10 players and i want to get your thoughts on each player um and we'll kind of break it down as we go along if you just if you think that they're going to get in or if they're just a lost cause we'll start with uh alex rodriguez received 34.3 percent of the vote alex rodriguez will he get in this is with his first year correct he will not. Okay. See, his numbers, though, the thing is, okay, wh- whether your stance is on roids or not, you said he will not, judging by the Writers Association. Personally, does Fernando believe he should be in? Yes. I agree with you because if you break down his numbers, I, he, I hate him. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, let's, let's take hate aside, but if you look at his numbers, his numbers are compared are are probably the best third uh, third base numbers of all time, or shortstop of all time, and third base he's up there in the top three, so he's he should be a, a you know a shoe in, but you got the PED scandal. Um, so his numbers real quick, one seventeen WAR, so wins above replacement for anybody who might have forgotten, six hundred ninety six home runs, two ninety five career batting average. 2,086 RBIs, 329 stolen bases, and an on-base percentage of three. That war alone is enough to get in the Hall of Fame. 
Absolutely. I agree with you. But I also agree with your take as far as him getting in due to the riders. So that's one down. Let's move on to Gary Sheffield. He played a lot with the uh, Marlins. Uh, was it the Yankees and uh, um, Dodgers? He, he, he went around, but had one of the prettiest, fastest swings in all of baseball for years. Thoughts on him getting in by the Riders and thoughts by Fernando? Uh, no to both. No to both. Okay. Okay. His number, he is in the 500 home run club, which is kind of been crap. 509. He's barely in the 500 home run club. I'm not saying 500 isn't impressive. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, I mean, you know, 509, uh, 2,689 hits, 200, uh, 292 batting average. All are very good, maybe, but he also has a steroid skin. So, yep. and this was a heavily uh, steroid uh, thing. So forty percent for him. Andrew Jones at forty one point four percent. Fernando and the Riders. What do you think? Um, I think he will get in in probably a couple of um, a couple of uh, terms there or whatever time. Okay, I, I like him because he was everything. Like he was defensively good. He, he he had a power swing. He stole bases. Uh, he he hit for average. Um, solid dude. Solid dude. Um, I I agree. I I hope he gets in at some point. His numbers weren't super impressive though, but I mean, I he, I think there's a lot of people who were thinking he was going to get in. Mm-hmm. I mean, sixty two uh, WAR sixty two thousand nine hundred thirty three hits, four hundred thirty four home runs, two fifty four batting average. So, I mean, not super crazy, but, I mean, he was a very solid, good player, and he had some really, really good years with Atlanta. He sure did. Uh, the next one on the list at 51%, Billy Wagner, closer extraordinaire. What do you think? I'm trying to – how many more years does he have on the back? Mm, I'm not sure, but if you're – He retired in 2010. So he probably has what, like four or five more years in the ballot. Mm-hmm. I think he should get into um, the Hall of Fame, and the reason for that is, uh, I mean, two two point three one career ERA. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my eyes are hurting. I have this like light blaring right at me. Uh, four hundred twenty two saves. I think, and we're going to talk about this later. That K Rod is a Hall of Famer, not just because he was an Angel, but if K Rod is a Hall of Famer then Billy Wagner's Hall of Fame. I agree, because if you stick in a guy for longevity, if you look at Lee Arthur Smith, I think he pitched something like 21, 22 years for several major league baseball teams, racked up enough saves right when he started counting saves, so there was no one really below him or above him. He got in, and I think these guys did it in less time and more impressively. So, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one. Um, Next up, I'm torn on this one. But uh, Todd Helton at 52%. Uh, yes, I believe he should get in. And I think he'll get in here in the next uh, two or three cycles here of voting. I think. He'll- I tend to think if he's going to get in, it's going to be barely. And it's going to be like the last year because I think the whole Colorado thing is going to be held against him. They're going to look at his away and home numbers. Yeah, but if you look at his numbers, um, a lot of his home runs would have been home runs out of all ballparks. That is true. You know, he didn't have a lot of wall scrapers. Um, Andrew uh, and I did a whole episode about that, uh, I think, last time uh, when him and I were doing our own show where we talked about it and 
uh, maybe I'll rip that clip and I'll, I'll add it on here, put it on. So um, he, people can get his opinion on it. But um, yeah, with the war of 61, a 316 career batting average, 369 home runs on base percentage of 414. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer. Okay. Uh, next up is a very controversial person. Uh, 58% of the vote uh, coming up short again. Everyone's favorite bloody sock, Kurt Schilling. Now, we had some uh, spirited debates on our uh, group chat about Kurt Schilling. Mm-hmm. Kurt Schilling, pitching-wise, I believe is a Hall of Famer. I think he would have gotten in the Hall of Fame. I think he shot himself in the foot. Um and now has a different kind of bloody sock uh, because he remember last year he did the whole, Oh, I don't care. I don't want to be on the ballot. Don't even vote for me. I think that little tantrum might've cost him. He is one of the best pitchers that we've seen in our lifetimes. Is he the best pitcher? Absolutely not. But I do think he does deserve to be in the hall of fame. And I think that opens up the unfortunate um, what's the word I'm looking for? Question on, oh, well, is this the hall of, you know, respectable players? There's a lot of people who make the argument that they have to represent baseball. So I think because of some of the stuff he posts yeah, on his social media, which everyone's inclined to do, it's your social media. But I think, unfortunately, a lot of that stuff might have cost him. But he should have been in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. I agree. Um We'll get to someone on this list later on that I have a strong take about that. But you look at his career, my thing always strikes me is he was a solid pitcher for Philly when Philly sucked. He was their ace. He went to Arizona with a big two, won that world championship, I think, you know, back-to-back with, with uh, you know. They had – look, you take him away and Johnson can't get it done. You take Johnson away, Schilling can't get it done. I believe, you know – Yeah, he was a big part of that yeah, absolutely. And then then you look at Boston, what he did with Boston. I think he gets in alone on that. Um, if the NFL yeah. is letting in players that have murdered people or that have done other things, raped or beat women, Ooh. I'm just saying there, should, there shouldn't be the whole, oh, well, what did he do in the off field, you know, off the field. So. Yeah, I mean, what he did on the field was enough get in the hall of fame i mean i don't think there's a lot of people who will you know disagree with that you know does he properly represent himself at all times well to him he does and i guess at the end of the day that's what matters right i guess you represent yourself so if you can live with whatever you post on your social media well i guess at the end of the day whether you as a person agree with it or not that's all that matters, right? The person's able to sleep at night. That's a decision they make. So, yeah, you you just have to look at his on-field numbers. And on-field, I think Kurt Schilling was good enough to be in the Hall of Fame. Unfortunately, he's now no longer eligible because he hit his 10 years. So now he has to hope the Veterans Committee votes him in, which I do think will. I agree. And tweets shouldn't go in the Hall of Fame anyway. So I don't think that should matter. Um, Scott Rowland is up next with 63% of the vote. What do you think about Scott Rowland? He was like Mr. Philly there for a long time, a little bit of St. Louis at the end. Never really caused – He know, won some much... World Series rings though, right? Yeah, With... yeah. 
And he wasn't he wasn't really that type of dude to stir up too much trouble either. He was a bit of a hard ass. What do you think of him? I heard a lot of people thinking that he was going to get in. So he won a rookie of the year, seven-time All-Star. Uh, he won a World Series, eight-time Gold Glove, Silver Slugger Award winner. So, you know, he certainly has some accolades on him. He's got a war of, of 70, which is pretty good amongst some other Hall of Famers. 281 career batting average, 316 uh, home runs, and a batting uh, on-base percentage of 364. Uh, I, the biggest thing that rem- uh, comes to mind when I think of Scott Rowland is the gold gloves, right? He was a great defender, one of the best defenders. I- Automatic at third. So, absolutely. I mean, if the ball was hit to third base, it was over. I mean, people talk about like, oh, well, Anthony Rendon has a good glove. He's one of the best defenders in baseball. It was nothing like Scott Rowland. Scott Rowland was the king of the hot corner. He was great during his time. So, I mean, honestly, if there's such thing as a Hall of Fame glove, I think Scott Rowland has that. A- I agree, because if you look at his latter years with St. Louis, it was clear that he did not have the mobility that he had when he was with Philly. And he made some spectacular plays at third base and made some great accurate throws. So, yeah, I'd have to be there right where the – I mean, that guy was amazing at third base. Now, as we move to the final three, which were the top three um, vote-getters by percentage for this year's uh, ballot, I will say this. With some of the older writers passing away, some of the younger writers are more inept to – to uh, vote for these players now, whereas they wouldn't, you wouldn't get these kind of high numbers because these are actually high numbers for these players that have been on the ballot for a while now. So that gets us to the top three, which is Roger Clemens at 65.2%. Thoughts on him? Yeah, Roger Clemens to me is the really, really hard one. If we're looking at his pure numbers, absolutely. Best pitcher of all time. I don't think there's a lot of people who could possibly dispute that. I mean, his war is 139. Damn. (laughs) I mean, we're rounding up there to 140. Dude, 140 wins single-handedly as a pitcher. 354 wins, 184 losses, an ERA of 3.12. Oh, yeah, he also pitched almost 5,000 innings. 4,816 innings pitched. (laughs) Yeah. And he struck out 4,672, right? But, you know, who cares about that? That's nothing. That's – Andrew, he needed that last <laughs> – He sure <laughs> did in one game. I I, I offered Andrew Heaney a lot of money, but uh, he didn't want to come back. <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I mean, you're absolutely right. I mean, those are some gaudy numbers. Um, but the thing was, man, he was in the height of that steroid era. He did some steroidal things on the field. I mean, who can forget the bat thrown back at Mike Piazza? Um, you know, he but he did do some great things. I thought that he was at his absolute peak when he pitched with Toronto. That guy was just balls to the wall. Like you couldn't touch him. Uh he hit his groove when he was with Toronto uh basically before he went to the Yankees. Um he 2. was just- 05 ERA that yeah, I mean, he was just incredible. I went to a couple of the Angel games where he pitched, and, man, it was over for us when they threw out the first pitch. Yeah. You know, the thing that's crazy about him, 
So you go on his baseball reference page and like almost if you just look at the entire stack card, A, it's really long. And B, there's so much bold, like everywhere. Yeah. Because he was and leading. Bold the league. obviously means you know league leading, you know, records, things like that. So I mean, this is it's crazy. There's so much bold. Oh yeah. I mean that that guy was just on on one, basically, um, on and off the field. But yeah, but the biggest thing is the fact that he did test positive for steroids. You know, it wasn't a, we think he took steroids. I mean, there was. <clears throat> and, and and the lying about it. I think that's what's going to get a lot of these players, like a guy that, if you think about it, was not a Tony Gwynn hitter, but was pretty damn close. He did accolades close to that, Rafael Palmero. But he's so emphatic, we're not going to remember his great career. We're going to remember him saying, I did not take steroids as he pounded the table. Roger Clemens did the and same thing. And don't forget, thing. he said period. Yeah, yeah. But you had some players like Andy Pettit that owned it. You had some players that were like, you know what? Yeah, I did it. You know, I was around and that it was in the clubhouse. I took part in it. Those guys, yes, they get scrutinized, but they also get a pass, as we'll see here coming up here soon. So is he in, in your opinion? Well, it's too late now. He's Veterans, off. Veterans Committee. I'm gonna go with no. Okay. I'm gonna go with no. Okay. I don't think they'll. I don't think they'll vote him. And the because he did test positive. I think that's the biggest. Or maybe it'll be a Pete Rose situation. Pete Rose should be in the Hall of Fame, right? Absolutely. I think they should let him in. You know, are you gonna, you know, keep Pete Rose banned for the rest of his life from baseball? Sure, I agree with that. But you gotta let him in the Hall of Fame. Maybe. But you know, I, I think Pete Rose will get in when he dies. I think it'll be the same thing with Roger Clemens if they do let him in at all. It'll be after he dies. I agree because baseball commissioners and the Baseball Hall of Fame is like that one petty girlfriend you have that will not give you anything until something bad happens or you die. Then it's like they'll give you credit. So I think that's what's going to happen here. I agree with you. Uh, Number two on the list is probably the most infamous. I mean, Barry Bonds. What more is there to say? Honestly, uh, Barry Bonds is the one who I, I I thought this was going to be the year. And the biggest thing, everyone's like, oh, Barry Bonds, why are you saying that? Barry Bonds never officially got caught taking steroids. He took the drug test, <clears throat> but he never tested positive. That's the thing. You know, the guy we're going to talk about next did test positive one time. And, you know, oh, well, it wasn't officially reported by the uh, commissioner's office in 2003, blah, 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 blah. Okay, well, the thing is, Barry Bonds never tested positive one time. So why are we not going to acknowledge David Ortiz testing positive when he did, but we're going to assume that Barry Bonds took steroids? Did he? I mean, probably. But the fact of the matter is he got away with it, right? So if he got away with it, why are we going to, you know, treat him like he, he did get caught. I don't know. That's just, I can sit here and talk about it. for. I think Barry Bonds is just like Pete Rose in a way, because how can you deny what 5,000 hits by Pete Rose? How can you deny the home run champ over, you know, I would love to sit here and tell you Hank Aaron is still the home run champ because of two things. I believe that Barry Bonds did cheat. If you look at his Pittsburgh Pirates, 
pictures to his Giants. His hat size did go from a six and a half to an eight. An eight. That's a huge-ass cabeza. And they always say <laughs> that steroids makes things bigger on you. So, But then again, like you said, there's no test. So we can look and, you know, we can have that look and say, hey, you know what? Something looks fishy here. You know, all of a sudden he's hitting moonshots. But then again, he hit moonshots with Pittsburgh. And then – and so – there is an argument for both sides, and yes, we could be here all night talking about Bonds, but I hope that he does get into baseball's Hall of Fame for the reason I want Pete Rose in there, despite what you think of them, despite what you – because, again, another thing that hurts Barry Bonds, the media hates him. Even his local media hates him. He was always an asshole to all of them, and I think in the long run, that above the PEDs made his chances dwindle. Yeah, I get it. But, I mean, you know, this is the hall of be nice in the media, right? Yep, yep it sure is. It sure is because that's what so, it, they, they, a lot of times they look over players that were jerks to them. I'm just saying. Yeah, I mean, yeah. that, And that's what everyone's saying about Alex Rodriguez, right? Like, oh, well, that's why he was now a member of the media, so he can make friends. Yeah, because he didn't stroke their egos when he was a player. Yeah, exactly. So, who knows? Should Barry Bonds have been in the Hall of Fame? Yes. I will. I mean, I firmly believe that steroids did save baseball. I firmly believe that Barry Bonds should have been a Hall of Famer. I mean, you can't tell the story of baseball without Barry Bonds. At the end of the day, if your name is so important that it has to be featured in the game of baseball, you know, in 20 years. Mm -hmm. You have to be in the Hall of Fame. There's no way around it. You know, if we're talking about a situation where Barry Bonds tested positive for PEDs multiple times, like Alex Rodriguez, I would understand. I get it if that's the case. But that's not the case. So how come we're talking about a building in Cooperstown, New York, where we could go to, we could see, oh, this is you know, the bat, or this is the ball, or the, the helmet that he wore when he hit home run 762, right? Mm-hmm. That's on display in Cooperstown. Well, well where's Barry Bond's plaque? Well, that's he's not in the Hall of Fame, <laughs> dumbass. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. how are we in a situation where that's a thing? I can go see the history, but he himself is not immortalized in this situation. Yeah, it kind of reminds me of playing video games when I was younger and they, Michael Jordan would not give his, uh, his name uh, sake or his likeness to the video game. So you'd be playing NBA jam or you'd be playing a basketball game and it'd just be like number 23 or player. You know what I mean? So yeah. <laughs> you, in his accolades, very bonds for a while too. Yeah. His accolades were up there, but you knew who he was, but they couldn't tell you that. And there, they could tell yeah. you every other player. Um, Shout out to John Dowd. Yeah, on, uh, MVP baseball 2005. Only the real ones know John Dowd. <laughs> there you go. So let's get Dude, to better num- than Barry Bonds. Let's get to number one though. Number one, which is the only guy who made it into the Hall of Fame. Which I have a problem with baseball. Some years you get zero. Sometimes you get four, and sometimes you get one. I think it's pathetic. There should be a cap on that too. But that's a story for another day. But this one bothered me. This one bothered me. Now you mentioned that he tested positive for PEDs. This was also David Ortiz who came up with the Mariners, was traded, you know, to the Twins, 
had a nice career with the Twins for a little bit, and then he didn't take off till he got to Boston, really. And when he was in Boston, Bristol, Connecticut, which is the home of ESPN, is right next door to Boston. Most of those anchors who were big celebrities at the time when ESPN was actually a credible news news source for for sports, they had huge. Get off my lawn, Todd. I'm just Here he comes. I'm just saying. They they had season tickets to watch the Red Sox all the time. So whenever I would watch ESPN News, you had them going down. I mean, they they loved that team. They massaged the Red Sox on a nightly basis. It was, what's Big Poppy up to? The Yuka. They had their own nicknames for these guys. Why? Because these guys were, they quote unquote, Johnny Damon called themselves the idiots. They were always forthcoming to the media, always nice, always goofballs, lovable dudes, and I think David Ortiz had enough of that smile and relationship with the fans and with the ESPN and other sports anchors and reporters to where that just gave him enough to 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 push him over the edge and for the for a lot of these old school guys to be like, you know what, he was found guilty or he was accused or whatever. Uh, we'll just brush that to the side. What do you think about that? Yeah, yeah, I think he did enough. I mean, you know, I, I, people are trying to find ways to, to to explain why it was okay. I mean, Tom Verduzzi did it with his dog shit ballot. Like, <laughs> oh, well, you know, it wasn't officially, uh, you know, the, the commissioner's office doesn't acknowledge it. It's like, bro, what are you talking about? It doesn't matter. He's still tested positive for PEDs. It doesn't matter if it was one time, two times, ten times. It doesn't matter if it wasn't official. He's still tested positive mm-hmm. so if this is the logic then why wouldn't he vote for barry bonds exactly because you know, so that's what i'm saying you know there's a lot of those public ballots you just pissed me exactly and that's that's why me and you are on the same page because you can clearly say the see the bias so again you brought up roger clemens with numbers that were highly in bold in most categories, leading the league every year, whatever. Barry Bonds, I assume, was the same way with walks, least amount of strikeouts, home runs, all this other stuff, over and over and over. All that gets ignored. Like, to me, Big Poppy had some great seasons, but he didn't have seasons like A-Rod and all these other players that were on PEDs as well. So, again, your point is just 100% correct. Why let those dudes get in or keep a stake? Keep those guys out and let this do again in. Well, the other thing, David Ortiz didn't have a position, really, for most of his career. Absolutely. Didn't he play first base briefly with the Twins? Because didn't they have a – From what I remember, yes. Because didn't they have a, over there at first base already, was it Justin Morneau for forever? Yeah, they just – Yeah, so, I mean – they didn't need Ortiz. He was just a bona, bona fide DH from day one. That's basically all he ever was. Now, he was a 10-time All-Star, mm-hmm. uh, but, you know, he was also one of the biggest named DHs in, you know, the last 20 years. Yep. Uh, three-time World Series champion, for whatever that's worth. Mm-hmm. Seven-time Silver Slugger, uh, World Series MVP, and ALCS MVP. But, you know, he was never a league MVP. Heck, he was never even an all-star game MVP. So what was his home run and RBI numbers? I'm curious. 
541 career home runs. Okay. So, I mean, good, but I mean, I don't think it's stellar for a Hall of Fame, especially first ballot Hall of Fame. That's the thing that <laughs> I think baffles me. We're not even talking about like, oh, okay, well, he got in like on the eighth one, you know, out of 10. All right. Yeah. You know, he was running out of time. I could see it. First ballot Hall of Famer? Trevor Hoffman wasn't even a first ballot Hall of Famer, and he was one of the best closers of all time. Do you realize what kind of crap the media would give him after the fact if he actually chose to wear the Twins helmet into the Hall of Fame? <laughs> that They'd be like, yeah, oh, we put you in because you're a Red Sox. Yeah, right? The people from Boston. Hey, yo, what about mass? What about the mass? <laughs> what about bean time? What's my chowder? Exactly. My schmop. <laughs> I remember that commercial. Dave Ortiz like, is that schmop? I'm telling you, that guy was the Cinderella or or just like the epitome of like baseball in the East Coast. They loved David Ortiz. There was nothing more that ESPN loved than when the Yankees blew that three game to nothing lead to that that Red Sox team. I mean, yeah, it was definitely most, there. They're, uh, yeah, their wet dream, basically. I mean, like, <laughs> Wait, absolutely. I I think it was it almost overshadowed them beating the Rockies in the World Series. Like that series didn't even matter. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, that's that's my take on Ortiz. I I really just I think he got in because he just stroked the ego of all those East Coast, um, you know media personalities and writers and newspaper dudes when there still were newspaper dudes. Uh, that's why I think a lot of West coast guys are, are going to struggle in the future. You know, like, like, a, I don't know about trout. I think trout should be a first ballot hall of famer, but you might hear some East coast dudes just be like, nah, you know what? Not first year. Are oh, you muted, man? Sorry. Yeah, no, I, I'm hoping that's not the case, but, you know, we'll see. You know how people from the East Coast are. Our coast is the best coast. I'm like, all right, bro, enjoy your snowstorm. Um, <laughs> so one guy that's interesting. So he got enough votes to not get kicked to the curb, and that's Tory Hunter. I don't think Tory Hunter will be a Hall of Famer by any stretch of the imagination, so don't think that's my argument. But why do you think he got – five percent you know and we're not talking about like five percent like two or three votes five percent is uh let's say 21 votes out of 200 so i mean he's still got some votes there do you think there's anything by it or do think people just you know accidentally checked it i mean what do you think why do you think he got some votes i don't think he if i'm going by the logic i was using with ortiz the media did not play a part in this one uh, so I am surprised he didn't get more votes because he was a media darling no matter where he was. Um, I, I think he was a great clubhouse dude. We we just did a um, a heady, um, you know, get to know your angels on him. Um, I just don't think he made that 500 home run club, and maybe he was too clean for that era of steroid users. Perhaps. I mean, you know, is Torrey Hunter in the hall of very good Absolutely. Is he a Hall of Fame guy in terms of attitude? Absolutely. Like you said, man, people loved him. He was loved everywhere he went. Yep. Angels fans loved him. Twins fans loved him. So his numbers, 
50 uh, wins above replacement. That's creeping towards really good. Obviously, I don't think it's creeping toward Hall of Fame, but, you know, Hall of Very Good. 2,452 hits. Same kind of thing. You know, maybe just a little short there. Home runs. I thought it hit way more, but it was 353. I thought he was closer to 500. Uh, 277 batting average, 1,391 RBIs, 331 on base percentage. So Hall of Very Good, yes. I in no way thought he'd make the Hall of Fame, but I was surprised he even got enough votes to not get kicked off immediately. Yeah, I think he had just too many seasons of the norm. I mean, he was your – when we went down his stats, I mean, he without – I think it was the one year he had like 30-some-odd home runs. But for the most part, he was just your prototypical, I'm going to hit you 23 home runs, I'm going to drive in 80, 85. And, and that's what he did on a consistent basis. That's, a like you said, a very good player, very consistent player. Reminded me a lot of Garrett Anderson. Uh, but, but you know, uh, unfortunately, those type of players don't make it. Yeah. As much as we would like him to. They- yeah, yeah, absolutely. So uh, real quick here before we uh, end the show for today. So let's talk real quick about the 2023 Hall of Fame ballot. Okay. All right, so Carlos Beltran, he is probably the biggest name on there. Carlos Beltran, does he get in? I think he does. I know that there was a little bit of controversy at the end of his career with Houston being a little bit involved in that scandal stuff. But for the most part, the dude was clean. He played legit wherever he was, whether it was Kansas City, I believe the Mets. I know I'm probably leaving out a team or two. But the guy was a scary hitter, and from both sides of the plate, I really liked his game a lot. Yeah, 435 home runs, uh, 279 batting average. Uh, The war of 70 seems to be like 70 is kind of the sweet spot there. Mm -hmm. And then on base pretends at 350. Uh, Yeah, I think he gets in. I mean, first ballot, though, would be the one that's kind of hard. I don't know if he's going to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. I'm going to lean toward he probably will be, especially because next year's class um, and, you know, the guys who are left aren't like the sexiest names, if you will. But, uh, yeah, I, I think he'll get in. Um, so next one, K-Rod, Francisco Rodriguez. That's one we've talked about before. I think you and I both agreed that he'll probably – he should get it. Yeah. Will he get in first ballot? No. But he should get Yeah, because, I mean, Hall of Fame in any sport, were you dominant at your position for a long period of time? Were you a league MVP? Did you break records? Were, um, he did all that. Well, not league MVP, but he broke records. Yeah. And, and 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 he was the best on several different teams, and including into his twilight, he was dominant he, everywhere he was. Yeah, including into his twilight, he was still throwing an unbelievable slider, and still getting guys out, whether it was an American or National League for losing or contending teams. Um, I believe in all you know, in all honesty, he should be in the Hall of Fame too. Do you think he gets in the Angels Hall of Fame like sooner than the Baseball Hall of Fame? And I know technically the 2002 team is in there, so technically he isn't. But, I mean, him individually, do you think he will get into the Angels Hall of Fame? I hope so because, like you said, I don't think he's getting in first ballot. So I would hope that that would be a precursor and that the writers over the years to come would be like, hey, well, he is in the Angels Hall of Fame and take that into consideration for what it's worth. So, yeah, I would like to see him get in the Angels Hall of Fame first. Yeah, I agree. Um, okay, so this next one's going to hurt me to say, because I know it's going to be a no, but he is on the list, Jared Weaver. I mean, he, he's not going to get in. He should get in the Angels Hall of Fame, for sure. 
there's no ins, ands, or buts about it. I mean, he was one of the best Angels pitchers of all time. Unfortunately, I don't think Cooperstown's going to be calling, and I don't even think he'll get over the 5%, unfortunately. I agree. I mean, I think you do the same thing you did with Chuck Finley, Mark Langston, other pitchers that pitched for the Angels, Mike Witt, that were had decent range and decent years and became beloved to the Angel fans and the familiar. So I believe he should get in just because he was a leader. He was he was a ace of the team for years. And uh yeah, Jared Weaver should be a Angels Hall of Famer. Major League Baseball, not so much. Yeah, I don't think there's gonna be too many people who can uh, disagree with that. Jared, I love you. One of the best angels of all time, one of my favorite angels of all time, one of the biggest reasons I love baseball, mm-hmm. in fact. But uh, yeah, MLB Hall of Fame, no offense, I don't think it's gonna happen. Um, I mean, so we'll, we'll skip some of these because people don't give a shit. Uh, R.A. <laughs> Dickey, Matt Cain. I mean, you know, people are like, okay, cool, bro. Uh, John Lackey's an interesting one. I don't think he'll get in either, but I wanted to ask your opinion on him because he was an angel. What do you think of John Lackey? Give me his career wins real quick, if you can, if you got that pulled up. Yeah, so uh, obviously we got to preface it by saying 2002 World Series champion, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he was a three-time World Series champion also. So it wasn't like he just had one trip to the rodeo there. He did only make one All-Star appearance, but he did have an ERA title. Uh, so career war of 37. Uh, obviously, for pitchers, a little different. You know, they're not as eligible uh, to get these 100-plus, unless you're Roger Clemens. 188 wins, 147 losses, 3.92 ERA. No. Uh, I thought he had a better yeah. ERA. Um, all I gotta say is he's a three-time champion. He did it with uh, was it the Cardinals, Cubs, or was it the Red Sox? I'm forgetting. I thought he did it with the Red Sox and the Cubs. Yeah, Cubs in 2016 did it with the Red Sox. I'm pretty sure, and then did it with the Angels, of course. Okay, so three-time champion. Yeah, I I believe he deserves to be in the Angels Hall of Fame again as a good pitcher um you could look at his career he was a fiery dude but no by no means um i think with his kind of career he should have had a you know maybe 250 before we we start talking about him being in the hall of fame i think 187 is a little low with the angels he was 102 and 71 with the 3.81 era you're saying angels hall of fame i mean i could see it going either way but i mean only 102 wins as an angel does that really scream angels hall of fame to you um, you know what? Now that you mentioned, you think it, that he's technically in there with the World Series team. Do you think he did enough single-handedly to get in there? Right? You know what? Now you think. Now I think of it. No, you're right. You're right. Because it, you know, those. Yeah. Okay, you're right. Yeah, I was gonna say. I, I heard. I, I saw 102, and I'm like, seems too low, buddy. Yeah, I, but you know, Hall of Angels very good. Sure, you know, is he one of the better Angels of all time pitching wise? Sure. I I don't, you know, I won't discourage that. And was he one of the biggest reasons that the Angels were successful in 2002? Sure. Was great. Mm-hmm. Especially in that World Series game, right? Was he the game seven pitcher? He was, yes, right? Yes, he was. Yes. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Yeah. I mean, one of the biggest reasons, right? I mean, the Angels were took it straight uh, foot on the throat on game seven. You know, the, the Angels were hungry. John Lackey pitched a great game. So, yeah. But um, yeah, I don't think he's a Hall of Famer there. Let me see if there's anybody else here on this list of people who people, Angels fans would care about. It doesn't look like it. J. 
Jason Worth, Andre Ethier, uh, Bronson Arroyo, Jacoby Ellsbury, JJ Hardy, and then uh, Peretta. Um, yeah, uh, none of those players are going to make it. I, I think Carlos Beltran, like you said, has the best opportunity to make it this year. But if he doesn't make it this year, I think he gets pushed back to year three or four. But I would say if the Hall of Fame wants to get one dude in, it would be Carlos Beltran next year. Yeah, I guess I can see that. That might be the only thing helping him. That I mean, there's nobody who's like outstanding in the ballot that was like so close this time that they'll probably make it over. And who knows now? Because I mean, um, pool, uh, not pool. Sorry. Oh, geez. Uh, Clemens and Bonds were both there for the last couple of years where they were like, you know, 10% away or they were trending in the right direction. And then over the last like two or three years, they just kind of flatlined, you know, people just stopped voting for them. They didn't, maybe they lost people, but they gained a couple or the same people are the ones voting for me, you know, like the Jeff Fletchers who have admitted that they're okay with steroid users. So uh, yeah, maybe for those guys, uh, you know, this might've been the time, but you know, we've been saying that forever. So who knows? Yeah. It's definitely going to be interesting, and, uh, you know, we're talking, you know, CBA and, and uh, Hall of Fame talk on this episode. That just goes to show you that there's it's been a dry spell, and we're definitely hoping for things to return <laughs> here soon. We need baseball. Yes, we do, especially the way my football season's gone. I needed baseball like three months ago. <laughs> so Yeah. Hey, at least it was an interesting football season, right? I mean, who would have thought? I mean, the Rams, people would see that coming. But the Bengals came out of nowhere. Dude, Joe Burrow is an absolute beast. I mean, he's going to be uh, he's going to be the king of the NFL there uh, potentially for quite a while. I mean, with the skill set he has, the composure he has. And, man, Joe Burrow, I'm a fan. Yeah, he's legit. And uh, if you look at all the quarterbacks now in the NFC, they're all aging. And most of the AFC quarterbacks are really good quarterbacks. They're going to be around for a while. So <laughs> besides Roethlisberger leaving. So, yeah, we'll, we'll see how things go moving forward in, in football. But we definitely need baseball back because I do not want to see a summer filled with Olympics. And that's it. You know, like I want to watch some baseball. I miss it. Yeah, as do I. I mean, the Angels have some potential next year, right? And anytime you can get a guy like Noah Syndergaard, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Uh, all right. Uh, anything to add besides uh, make sure to check out our sponsor, Chinook Seedery. Best seeds ever. Head on over to halosofthenfield.com for easy ordering. All you do is click on the yellow banner that says Chinook Seed. It takes you straight to the ordering screen. You can buy a case. You can buy a mix and match variety pack. Whatever you need to get the best seeds ever. And we would know as the best podcast ever. So make sure to check them out. Chinook Seedery, best of the game. There you go. So check out them seeds. Plant a seed with your friends. See what I did there? Uh, let's, so as we move on from the bad puns, uh, the only thing I'm going to say is as we get closer to baseball season, we have a lot of surprises going on. Hopefully Chase can get up that stuff with the uh, softball game. Uh, it's coming pretty soon. A lot of the baseball highlights, we had a real fun. Thank you for all that came out and supported us. And there's going to be continued support as we move forward. Uh, big things for 2022. And so that's why we're all anxious that the season starts. Fernando's been working very hard behind the scenes, get, trying to get more interviews and things set for the upcoming 2002. 
celebration, 20-year anniversary, and also getting more interviews just for the page for your enjoyment to maybe hear players and and other things that you haven't heard before. Like he got the Marvel uh, uh, commentary from our boy Brian the other day. So, uh, yeah, we're, we got a lot of big things. A lot of these guys are working really hard. Chase, Andrew on on, uh, on big things coming up here. Uh, James is going to be getting ready. James! For the, the pre-games, hopefully. And then you got uh, Randy just pumping out. Randy more. has a lot of good designs, as always. Absolutely. And he's going to be joining us from time to time on the pod, too. So little change up like here. Randy just, like, shits out good designs. <laughs> I feel like everyone else, like, like puts in, like, legitimate effort. Randy just kind of, like... Oh, I put out this logo. Like, I feel like it's just easy for him. He's like, whatever. I mean, you know, here's, here's the logo. And they're good. You know what I mean? Like, we're over here, like, straining ourselves. And Randy's like, whatever, bro. I thought about this. We'll take a shower. Yeah, or he's, <laughs> like, eating a, a a cheeseburger, and the ketchup packet opens up, and it makes a design. He's like, yeah, I can work with that. So, <laughs> <laughs> Hey, that takes talent. Exactly. That takes talent. And that's uh, one thing. I bet some people are wondering, like, how come they don't plug the merchandise anymore? Uh, it's because we're transitioning away from Redbubble on the new Halos of the Infield website. We're going to have some designs, some new designs coming up. Uh, Todd's wearing one of the newer hats. I'm wearing one of the Fast Times under the Halo design hats. So, um, yeah, tons of merchandise coming. We have, the like, the single Halos that people freaking love. We get messages all about, like, what are you guys going to sell those? So, yeah, tons of stuff coming on the horizon. So much merch, so many interviews. There's there's a bunch of stuff. So just stay tuned, guys. Absolutely. And we're going to have the best of both worlds again, uh, you know, talking Angels baseball, hopefully winning this year. Well, we had a lot of support in a down year. And then uh, also, you know, we got Chase and Andrew with the Around the League show. So there's going to be a few changes. You know, we're um, unfortunately at this moment, we don't know if we're going to have Courtney on the pod moving forward. So we're hoping that that uh, will change. Uh, but if she doesn't come back, um, you know, we will have uh, some, some people filling in. So we'll, we'll settle that as we go, but we're just keeping you guys and gals in the loop as we move forward. And, and uh, as the uh, baseball season, hopefully approaches. Absolutely. Stay tuned guys. Can't wait. Yep. So I think I've said enough. Have you? I have. Okay, so let's give him a Roger and an Artie goodbye. All right, guys, you've been tuning in to AM830 with Roger Lodge and... Arturo Moreno. <laughs> Later. Viva Los Angelitos. How's it going, guys? This is Fernando with Halos in the Infield. Are you sad that this podcast is almost over? Well, don't worry. Halos in the Infield is taking over over the social media universe. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, Twitch, Reddit. If it exists, chances are we're probably on it. Make sure to tune into our pregame shows with James and our postgame shows with Todd Fox. Make sure to listen to our podcasts all season long and all off season long. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel at Halos in the Infield. And the Hitty Baseball Network, also on YouTube. So many exciting things to come. We are so glad you guys are along for the ride. And hell, while you're at it, leave us a five-star review on iTunes. Thank you guys so much. Viva Los Angelitos y prendalo! For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts 
so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.